Welcome back, everyone, to the Four New Eyes Only, the James Bond retrospective podcast where I am watching the movies for the first time. <laughs> I'm Nathan Simmons. <laughs> my trusty number two, Nathan Simmons, is with us yeah. tonight. The the cue to my James Bond, if you would say. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> well, you got to come through with all the information, and you don't you don't have gadgets, right? but you got to come mm-hmm. through with the information. Update me on per, mm-hmm. per, you know going through the show. So do pay attention, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're talking. You only live twice. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah. boy, uh, this was something else. I gotta tell you, 1967, man. Uh, directed by Lewis Gilbert and written by Rolled Fucking Doll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, well, right, right up top, we have so much to discuss, right? <laughs> All right, you're gonna have to give me some uh, some information about Rolled Doll here. Okay. All right. So I, I guess, yeah, if you want to just jump into the behind the scenes stuff, or or do you want to do like some first impressions? We'll do some first impressions, and then we'll get yeah. into it. Um, so you only live twice, like Nathan mm-hmm. said, sixty seven. Uh, my guess at this movie was mm-hmm. pretty simple. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. Is that James Bond's going to quote unquote die and then <laughs> have a secret mission? And yeah. Pretty much, Part, partly correct, mostly correct, now, uh, in broad strokes. Yeah. And now, where where it didn't go, and yeah. where I completely did not expect things to go, is something mm-hmm. we're going to get into in our discussion. But mm-hmm. before we do that, Nathan, mm-hmm. can you give us the synopsis for this movie in double oh seven oh. seconds or less? Absolutely, sir. Uh, let me know when to start. And three, two, one, go. To avert nuclear war, Bond must go to Japan to rescue kidnapped astronauts and finally meet his nemesis, Blofeld. 6.06 seconds. Whew. Always Still bringing it baby. in under the wire. I'm waiting on that. Still like, got it, baby. I'm waiting on that like two second synopsis. I don't know well, if we'll ever yeah. get it, but. I, I was like, uh, yeah, it'll happen when we get to die another day. And I'm just like, who cares? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, I felt like I was Bond at the end of this movie, diffusing a rocket, uh, but with the, uh, you know, the timer changing four times in between shots right <laughs> so one thing i was very shocked uh we're mm-hmm. in fucking space that's literally my first notice we start in space <laughs> <laughs> i honestly you know just judging by the titles of the movies because again mm-hmm. i have not seen any of the ones moving forward uh i was thinking moonraker was going to be our first sort of you know delve into space but uh lo and behold we open up in space in this and i was like holy shit early yeah there's there's a there's a pretty good reason for that actually Uh, i guess if uh if we can you want to jump into the background of this movie i'm sorry i have things magically appearing behind me but my zoom background is uh (laughs) wafting in and out of reality um no let's do it let's do some background on this one so the original plan for this movie was to uh, the, the original plan was to adapt on Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, we will get to next month. Mm, I'm excited. We did join in it twice instead, and that turned out to be quite a problem. Uh, so they wanted to shoot on location in the Alps, and uh, basically it was unseasonably cold. So they said, "Okay, well, I guess we'll just move to the next tropical or you know a warm climate book that Fleming wrote." And at this point, you know, Fleming had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a movie that essentially like 
was really difficult to get to the screen because you have the death of Ian Fleming, you have uh, the continued, uh, you know, legal unease between Kevin McClory, who created Spectre and Blofeld, right. and the producers. And eventually they go to uh, a man by the name of Roald Dahl to write the, to write the screenplay. Now, Roald Dahl was a close friend of Ian Fleming's. I've written a lot of stories with uh, um, sin, not a lot with sex or sadism. Roald Dahl was in the Royal Air Force and was shot down and basically sustained like these awful injuries that kind of left him in pain for the rest of his life. Right. And so he wanted to keep serving the queen and country, the you know, as best he could. And so uh, he was, his job was to essentially be James Bond. <laughs> he was a, <laughs> he was sent to like parties in the United States and, and all over to meet dignitaries. And he was a really, he was renowned for being a, a big gossip. And wow. so they were like, we want you to go to parties. We want you to get people drunk, like schmooze with them, get information. Um, uh, bring it back to us. Just let us know like what our allies aren't telling us essentially, like try to find stuff out. And he not only did this through speech, he did it through his dick. He like, there is an incredible, <laughs> there is an incredible episode of drunk history that, that recounts uh, Roald Dahl's time as a spy uh -huh. where he is played by Will Ferrell. He's like, look, I am f out. Okay. Um, and uh, so please go seek that out. But essentially, uh, after he left the service, he continued writing because um, he had, he was known for writing these like really vivid reports. Mm -hmm. And so Roald Dahl is the man who wrote such books as James and the Giant Peach and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect guy for pinning a Bond film. Yeah. Well, and so what's so funny is he had all, he also wrote the screenplay to the film version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which the novel was written by Ian Fleming. I remember you bringing that up in I think our first episode. <laughs> um, and Roald Dahl at this time didn't have a whole lot of film experience, but the producers really liked a screenplay of his for a film that ultimately went unproduced. This film would have starred Laurence Olivier and a young Ian McKellen, and it was titled, it has the best fucking title I've ever heard. The bells of hell go tingalingaling. <laughs> wow, we've got a, some some grade A material here. Yeah, I mean, so he he wrote this screenplay. The film went unproduced because it was supposed to shoot in the same locations that they wanted to shoot on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So like all these weird things kind of lined up at the same time. Wow. And so they they came to him. They're like, look, you knew Ian really well we would really like you to take a crack at the screenplay. And mm -hmm. he essentially said, okay, I've only seen the one with the crazy car. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, okay, well, you should watch other Bond movies besides Goldfinger. Thunderball is the highest grossing film of all time. We'll, we'll send a guy over to, you know, screen the movies for you. And he essentially said, no, thank you. I've got it. <laughs> That reminds me, I've actually started listening to the Parks and Recollection podcast because I'm a big oh, yeah. Park, Parks and Rec fan. I know you sure. are too. And yeah. uh, it's got Rob Lowe and they always have a writer and one of the uh, cast members on. And mm -hmm. um, I was I was shocked to find out that when Rob Lowe got the part for Chris mm -hmm. Traeger, he had never seen an episode and did not go back and watch any. And I was like, wow, I, honestly, like I can't. I think you made the right choice because I think that show comes to life when those characters arrive. Right. I, I was I was shocked at first. I was like, man, I can't believe he wouldn't have like researched the show. And kind of, yeah. But for his character, 
mm-hmm. it makes total sense for him to come in blind because he's coming in blind to help help the the parks and Re- right. recreation he understand and, how any of this works right so like <laughs> i was like okay well damn like yeah there's all these different aspects to movies especially now that i'm doing a podcast and watching all these movies and doing behind yeah. the scenes and whatnot i'm starting to really get a good feel for like the stuff that happens and how movies are made that i've never thought about before yeah right? and how it's you know wild. like actors will be on set for certain days and not for mm-hmm. other days and like how there can be all this different, you know, we, we were just talking off mic about uh, community and Chevy Chase on that. Mm-hmm. He shines oh, all the on, drama and stuff. Yeah, he yeah. shines on screen, but apparently off screen, it was a whole t- debacle. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of made me think about like when I'm watching movies now and I'm seeing scenes happen and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, he was probably on set for like one day to film this. And that yeah. was that was it. Or what, what was the conversation here that led to this? And it's funny that you mentioned all the stuff about a star being unhappy because that was certainly happening uh, uh during this movie yeah. uh, Sean Connery did not want to come back and do another movie he resented the popularity of the series and the fact that he was only known as James Bond to the point where he would do press interviews in Japan and he like mouthed off at an interviewer who criticized the way he was dressing because he was dressed like comfortably and casually and the guy was like is this how James Bond dresses and he goes no this is how me, an actual person, dresses like and stuff see, like that. And see, back then, I probably would have expected him, uh, Sean Connery, to get up and smack the guy that said that to him. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I mean that. Yes. Uh, well, that's that's the weird thing about you're talking about. You know, finding out how movies and shows are made, especially during this time where literally like deals were made over drinks. You know, like it yeah. wasn't it. There's the the kind of stuff that comes out about these movies in particular, like someone we'll get to a movie later on in the series where someone just flew in a bunch of elephants because they were like, I guess we're going to have elephants in this stampede in this scene and didn't tell anyone else (laughs) on the production until it was time. Um, That reminds me of a a story. Kevin Smith had worked with one of your, you know, icons, Prince. And of course, I'm a Prince fan as well. Isn't it insane that there is a whole Prince documentary that Kevin Smith shot that will never see the light. We will never see it at all. And it's funny because he tells a story about being on that and shooting and talking to Prince's yeah. assistant and whatnot. And mm-hmm. he wanted he wanted something. And Kevin was like, listen, I can't I can't deliver on this. And he was like, no, you, we can't tell Prince. No, Prince doesn't comprehend things the way you and I do. <laughs> and I was like, what, what do you mean? And she was just like, well. Prince has been living in Prince world for quite some time. Prince will come to us periodically and say things like, it's three in the morning in Minnesota. I really need a camel. (laughs) Go get it. (laughs) So yeah, Connery was ready to leave and the producers um, decided to kind of try to smooth things over. So they, one, they gave him more money for this one, Mm -hmm. uh, which again, as I said with Kevin McClory last month, get that bag. You're the fucking star, man. Yeah. Uh, You're getting paid. He was getting, I think by the time they made Thunderball, he was still getting paid the same amount that he got paid for Dr. No. So that's Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, come on, man. Like this guy's a household name at this point. I mean, exactly. He's starting the biggest franchise in the world. Yeah. And so they, um, so they gave him more money. They also 
removed the clause in his contract that locked him into doing another one because mm-hmm. um, they were like, maybe, you know, we'll get, we'll take the pressure off and he'll be happy to do another one after the dust is settled. Right. He was not in fact. And that's why <laughs> they finally recast bond in the next movie. Um, why well, he, he took a movie off essentially. Um, and, and it's kind of weird that that's sort of been the, 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 the ever going train of bond, how like it, it sounds a lot like Daniel Craig's fiasco with mm-hmm. not wanting to continue the series and coming back. It's and- exhausting. I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, and especially, I mean, Craig, Craig did five movies over the course of 15, 17 years, 16 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Connery did six movies in like a decade eight years yeah, yeah like, like he he I, I don't blame him for being like worn out you know yeah. especially like at that time when you know a, a movie like thunderball would play for you know 40 weeks yeah <laughs> you know? yeah um but uh, so he was ready to leave Roald Dahl hadn't seen any of the had only seen goldfinger and wasn't really familiar with it so the producers told him look and also he hated the book he said it is um it is Ian's worst book. It feels like a travelogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really feel any attachment to the the, the uh, material. And so they said, okay, you can change whatever you want. You just got to keep a couple of things. You got to keep the formula. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the, you got to do gadgets. You got to have girls. And uh, you have to have three girls specifically is what they told, which, you know, we've kind of noticed that over mm-hmm. the course of these movies, you got to have, you got to have money, Penny, you got to have like the femme fatale, you got to have the girl that dies, yeah. you know, or and you got to uh, have the so, one, you got to have the one bad female that kind of is into right. bond, but will betray him, you know, right. And this movie sort of approaches a bunch of those things, but never quite hits a lot of them. Right. And, and so he, he was like, okay, I guess I'll just kind of do a greatest hits package. And mm-hmm. that's really what we get here. We, the, the plot is nominally the plot of Dr. No mixed with Thunderball. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that myself. It, it's, it seems like a, 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 a greatest hits of everything we've watched so far. Yeah. And that works in some aspects. Sure. It doesn't in others. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And it, it, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but mm-hmm. is, is Robert Dahl the one who, decided let or yeah roll doll uh yeah. is he the one who decided let's take him to japan no that's in the book that is in the book um, okay it, it, sort of it's it, it plays out differently in the book so that's another thing the honor majesty's secret service is the book where bond finally faces blofeld face to face and so they kind of had to retrofit some of that plot into this movie Okay. Because now he's finally meeting Blofeld. And so we're telling a story of a book that was, I mean, Blofeld is murdered about halfway through the, the book of right. You Only Live Twice. And Bond spends the rest of the book with amnesia, like in a fugue state mm-hmm. and, and settles down in Japan. And then that's like this whole thing. Wow. So they kind of like restructured it around it all being part of, his like undercover work and as a result we get a movie where bond goes undercover for no reason and in watching the behind the scenes stuff i've yeah. really kind of started to see how the whole like the books were released and how they released the movies is a giant clusterfuck like the mm-hmm. movies the movies are out of order from the way the books were written and all yeah. of that and that's one thing that's been a little like seeing how they're combining things from other books and putting them in different sure. movies 
And uh, that's that's one thing I I thought probably went on with this one because this one goes a little all over the place. It goes off the rails, and then on. Okay, I mean, full disclosure. I, I feel like I'm not really I'm not really giving anything away to say next month's movie is like one of my tops. Like it's one of my favorites. You've mentioned a couple um, of times, and there is a huge continuity error in the movie because they try to adapt it. It's the closest adaptation of any of the books. Oh, okay. Uh, aside from maybe Casino Royale. So, in, I mean, I won't spoil it here, but like in effect, like there is some stuff in the next movie that doesn't make sense because they did You Only Live Twice as a movie first. <laughs> so, and, that's, uh, and that sort of thing is exactly what I'm seeing, just watching, yeah. watching the movies, watching the behind the scenes and how they had to, um, uh, how the production had to go on, on all these. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, John Connery being kind of over playing bond. It makes me excited to get to Roger Moore considering he played bond for so fucking long. And it, I, I don't, so here's the thing about Moore is I think by the time we're done with his movies, you'll be happy to see him move on. <laughs> but he's, he is never, he never seems bored as that character. Right. Like there is some, there is a, there is a life to right. Even Craig took two movies off giving a shit. You know what I mean? Or like right. at least one movie off giving a shit. Like he's, he could, could not want to do Spectre any less. And then he comes back just chomping at the bit for no time to die. And I think that that's a thing that happens with these actors. They do get like kind of burned out, which is why it's why more is such an anomaly mm -hmm. and why, uh, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I wish we'd gotten more George Lazenby movies. <laughs> uh, I would have, I would have really liked to see him like grow with the character, but, uh, uh, but in the meantime, we have, what was almost Sean Connery's swan song. I mean, he started, he came into press for this movie telling people, this is my last Bond film. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the way this movie starts, you almost expect, uh, like, I, I, I wonder how audiences felt seeing James Bond die before the opening titles, or right. if they felt, or if it didn't matter because they saw him fake his death in Thunderball for three seconds. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know we get our little introduction. The, whatever's happening in space, there's a there's yeah. a there's a, a UFO if you if you want to say yeah. that is that is capturing all of these space stations. This I, the the opening here it got me because I was like number one oh shit we're in space we're in space number two I just watched Interstellar and I'm already like fuck space fuck because <laughs> <laughs> I've been on fuck space I had um, I had not seen Interstellar I think probably since the theater and I rewatched mm -hmm. it recently and holy shit dude that movie that movie just got me this time I don't know what it was the first time that it wasn't didn't, didn't blow me away but it's my second favorite Nolan I know that's like controversial but I I, I adore that movie um yeah and this stuff like this is really impressive. I think, I think a lot of these effects are still really interesting. Like, I mean, it's, it's clearly, you know, dated, but they're doing some really incredible stuff with miniatures. Uh, the, 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 the spacewalk looks really good. And I gotta say like getting your line cut and floating out to space has gotta be the worst way to die. Right. Dude. Like that was, that was what I got <laughs> from that scene. I was like, when all that shit goes down and that thing closes and that dude just yeah. starts floating off into space, I was like, 
that's fucked up. Because what's truly <laughs> wild is like, I mean, in the last movie, Spectre drowned a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Uh, and then in this movie, they keep these astronauts alive. Yeah. You know, like, so except for the one guy. Who like, oh, he's gets, expendable. Just let him yeah, go. Let him float off into eats, nothingness. It's eternal shit. Um, <sighs> uh, but we, we get another great uh, kind of NATO sequence. I, I, I love all of these big uh, gathering scenes. Like we had the, in the last movie where everyone, you know, gets into their uh, Dr. Strangelove room. And right. says, well, we don't know where the bombs are. Um, but here... Uh, it's immediately tense. U.S. is blaming Russia. The mm-hmm. U.K. is trying to smooth things over. And I, I love the the dumb American general here who is just like, uh, we believe that Russia will not rest until it has complete control of space. <laughs> And then Russia claiming that they're not going to be they're they're not going to use their power to 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 do bad things, hits a little different right. in this day and age now. Boy howdy! Yeah, uh, a lot of this a lot of this movie felt uh, yeah timely timely yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, UK, but the UK the UK representatives are like actually we saw like some weird radiation signals over Japanese airspace. So if you'll give us if you two can just shut the fuck up for like a week. <laughs> we'll go find out what's going on. We'll send our best man. Um, and our best man is, uh, man, I, <laughs> I I texted you. I'm not even going to say it. I just want you to throw the clip in here. But I texted you, please let me know when you hear Bond's first line because it is unconscionable. Because <laughs> we find Bond in Hong Kong. <laughs> Why do Chinese girls taste different from all other girls? Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's wild. It's a wild question to ask. And it's a wild thing that she carries on the conversation. With this is a wild, int- this is the most wild introduction to Bond so far, period. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, so far we've gotten what? We had a uh, fake duck on his head, right? That's, yep. on, that's in Goldfinger. We've had, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... It, it it's a long way from the casino scene in Dr. No. And for, for whatever happens here, you know, the, the bed comes up, they shoot and you're, you're led to believe that bond has died. Yeah. They go into no explanation really as to why this, why had, this happened. Yeah. Why? It, 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 and that's the thing is, so this is an incident nobody saw. Right. So they could have just put out a fake, news story they could have just put out a fake obituary they didn't need to go through hiring a spy a japanese spy or they didn't have to go through hiring a spy to sleep with him then a bunch of guys to shoot at the bed Mm -hmm. and then also like nothing (laughs) nothing about this makes any sense no and 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 you make a good point all they had to do was you know have the mock funeral but no they actually dump pawn's body into the ocean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wrapped yeah. in a body bag, and it's like we're watching this, and Jenny goes, "What the hell?" Like, no, no, that, yeah. he's not in there, and sure, no. shit, he is. But he he was in there, in fact. <laughs> yeah, everything about it is too complicated. Yeah, you want to talk about a Nolan plot? Like this is like Inception levels deep <laughs> of you know why? No, it, they don't even use the rebreather from thunderball he's just got this big old scuba tank like stuffed in his sarcophagus with him yeah um and i love when he gets up and he looks at the captain and goes 
Request permission to come aboard, sir. Permission yeah, I, I. But like even before this, like we, it, it's a good. It is a fun opening though. It closes in on the blood on the bed, mm-hmm. goes straight into the title song. What do you think of Nancy Sinatra's "You Only Live Twice"? It's my favorite theme so far. Yeah, it's good. I, right? I like it a lot. Like yeah. we're listening to it, and I'm listening. And I'm like, damn, this is like it almost has like a um, it almost kind of has like an electronic feel to it for whatever yeah. reason. But yeah. um, uh, next to probably Goldfinger, this is my this is yeah. my favorite one so far. I'm a huge Nancy Sinatra fan. This is a song that she had a lot of anxiety about recording because mm-hmm. Nancy is like she's more of a performer than a singer. As as much as I like, not that's not fair, but she has a. She she doesn't you don't think of her when you think, you know, belting ballad, you know right. what I mean? And so she was like an unconventional choice. And uh, according to John Barry, the final track that we hear in the movie is like cut together from like 25 different takes oh, because wow. she was just extremely nervous when she was recording it. But I think the final result is excellent. Um, well, had the, bond, yeah, the had the, the bond strings movies, are great. Had the bond movies gotten to a point yet where it was like, oh, we want we you to do to the Bond the song. song. Like I, I think it was starting to get there. I think this was around then because like, and I know it, we talked last week or last month about Johnny Cash was such a big yeah. fan of Bond that he just mm. submitted his own Thunderball uh, yeah. entry into the into the into the hat. But I, I was wondering, like, because you know we just had um, Billie Eilish and Phine- uh, Phineas win for yeah. No Time to no, Die. No Time to Die. Uh, a song that I quite like is a point of contention between myself and uh, my Silver Linings co-host, uh, Dustin, who hates that song. <laughs> I haven't really listened to it much. I like it. I think it works in the movie, too, but I, I, I get it. But I, it's to me, it's leaps and bounds better than the Sam Smith song. But you, you're right. It's become like a a badge of honor to do the Bond theme. Mm-hmm. And I think we were starting to get there at this point, but it wasn't quite, I think the moment that it becomes, holy shit, who's doing the bond theme this time is live and let die. I think that's when it kind of changes. And now it's like, we got to get the biggest pop act in the world. Well, yeah. I mean, you get a Beatle doing a bond song. You don't really get much higher regard than that. Yeah. Because like, so we had Shirley Bassey for Goldfinger. Then we had um, uh, Tom Jones for Thunderball and then uh, Nancy Sinatra for this one. And I won't spoil it, but it the the next movie takes an unconventional approach, and then we go back to Shirley Bassey for Diamonds Are Forever. So oh. I think I think they hadn't quite settled on it being like the thing, you know. Yeah. You want that song, you know. Um, but this is a great song, and it also um, there's a demo version with a vocalist uh, named Julie Rogers that uh, was also considered. I'm going to send this to you, and we can pipe that in there as well. It's got. Um, uh, a little more of like a folksy kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. but I, I dig it. Um, I, I still prefer the the Nancy Sinatra song. Though. Well, I'll be but, completely uh, honest. After Thunderball, yeah. I went back and listened to that Johnny Cash, and I was like, I, I <laughs> Rules, think right? I would have preferred this over the one we got. <laughs> well, and it is like that's the that's the great thing about that Cash song is that it is nonsensical, but like you know you got you had to write a song and use the word Thunderball in it. So. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and like coming from Johnny Cash, it seems a lot yeah. more natural. You know, like, sure, sure. The something about the, his voice, his yeah. voice, the way he sings it, like. Like, 
and, and and that's another aspect of this too is like listening to like the the rejected bond songs like we've talked yeah. before about the radiohead song sure. that that didn't make it in but that song's yeah. amazing like i've got some really fun ones when we get like much later in the series especially mm-hmm. in the brosnan era like some of these movies have like two or three rejected theme songs uh, I, i'm curious to hear some of these like, yeah. that's gonna be fun um so, yeah, the, the newspaper tells us that the British naval commander has been murdered. Bond's funeral gets, gets this, like, really metal eulogy where he's just <laughs> talking about the sins of man. And, <laughs> um, and I love the commitment to the formula. This is the kind of winky stuff that I really like because we still get a hat toss under the sea. I love it. It brings me joy when I see it now. And yeah. it's like, and, and Thunderball, we had money, money, penny took it over. And I was like, Oh, that's a nice little, nice yeah, little like, change little up there. Yeah. Oh, and it just, and, and then, yeah, I mean, we get our typical formulaic, you know, him and money, penny flirting yeah. with each other. And then the, you the send 007 in and yeah. <laughs> M student M study he looks exactly the same underwater which i love he's still got a leather door and a submarine yeah <laughs> um and so he he tells james like look uh the americans and the russians are at each other's throats you need to figure out who launched that rocket that stole their ship before world war three breaks out and i love this little bit where he's like here's the location of the the signals that we saw uh bond reads it and then lights them, lights it on fire, like without saying a word. Like that's mm-hmm. just great spy shit. <laughs> yep. And and just the fact that he he almost has like a magician sort of uh, characteristic to it too. Where he just lights it. And oh all yeah. Of a he's just like he's very proud of gone. himself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and he he's supposed to meet a contact in Japan, and there's a password. Money Penny tells him the password is, "I love you." And the way she says it like melts my heart. Yeah, it's the best. I think I think one of the most heartbreaking things I'm going to experience going through this series is not seeing Bond and Money Penny have their moment. Now, oh sure, I mm. haven't seen all the movies, so maybe I'll get my, maybe I'll get my wish. But at this point, I you'll, want nothing more than Money Penny and Bond to just have a moment. You know? I think you'll be surprised how this progresses between between the two of them, or how how that yeah how that changes over the movies. Ah, um, okay, and in, yeah. Um, so James Bond gets fired out of the torpedo bay. <laughs> I have an all in, in my notes. I have an all caps. They shot him out like a fucking torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. None of this is necessary. Again, now, if they had just put out a fake story in the paper, Bond could have just walked into M's regular office. Exactly. Didn't have to go through all this rigmarole. Now, with all this being said and how ridiculous a lot of what's happened so far, we're probably 15 minutes into the movie at this point. Yeah. I do I do like the idea that M is just like, look, uh, you're too high profile now. Like, blow yeah. fe- like, like Spectre knows who you are. You're famous among them. Mm-hmm. So we got to take you off the board. Uh, and I do, I do love that, but yeah. So, so like up to this point, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm digging it. Like I'm having fun. Yeah. Like even, even as ridiculous as what he says and how that first scene that introduces bond plays out. <laughs> I even, I wrote down, this is the best introduction to bond yet. <laughs> Just cause oh, you know, yeah. The, the, the torpedo and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And uh, it's I, so I'm, camp. I love it. I'm having a lot of fun. Like the, it seems like they're having a lot of fun with this one mm-hmm. where the others were taking a little more of a serious approach. Mm-hmm. And maybe that has to do um, with the writing and in the, in the direction, because we do have a new director this time. Yes. yes I'm sorry. For- you were absolutely right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, while this seems like a greatest hits, 
in, in, in ways of plot and things that are happening, it -hmm. does feel like they're having a little more fun with this one. And yeah, this is definitely the one where it was like, okay, I, I really am seeing where Austin powers pulled a lot of stuff from. I told, I I think I mentioned that last month. Like there were, there's a specifically a character in this movie that is just full on stolen for Austin powers. Um, But yeah, a lot of like the, a lot of the weird tropes that, that seem exaggerated or just played straight in this movie. Um, I love uh, Bond arrives in Tokyo. All the neon establishing shots are really mm-hmm. great. Like the quick cut stuff here is excellent. The movie was edited by um, Peter Hunt uh, and he essentially was credited with saving the movie. The original editor turned in a version of the movie that was over three hours long. And the, yeah. And like, just the producers are like, this is a fucking disaster. <laughs> so he was brought in. He chopped the hell out of the movie, made it work and gave it like this really exciting visual flair in some of these like establishing sequences. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was enough that they were like, you get to direct the next one. So (laughs) Peter Hunt, you know, directs uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service because he essentially bailed out this movie. Nice. Um, uh, and we get a sumo match where the officiant sounds like Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Takes you back to that scene in Spider-Man a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. How would you get up there? <laughs> um, and uh, this is where we are introduced to Aki, uh, who is played by Akiko Wakabayashi. Uh, and she, I, I love this character. I, I Like, we don't get enough of her in this movie. No, uh, doing doing like proactive stuff. Her first couple of scenes, though, are just so excellent. And I love that Bond is she's really into the fight. Yeah. And he's really into the fact that she's really into the fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is uh, one of our first instance instances where like throughout the movie, I kind of develop a very, very big liking to Aki and yeah. I'm heartbroken by the end of the movie. And, uh, sure. but you know, th- this whole scene where they meet at the sumo match, like mm-hmm. even the, even the sumo match that's going on, like when the sumo wrestlers collide, like the sound design there oh, yeah. is apparently all, um, all recorded. It's not something that they could do in post. Right. And they were really wrestling. Like there's like, th- that's the, what I was going to ask. Like that's 100% just like a, a real sumo wrestling match right yeah i think when when they were trying to shoot it they were they were concerned with the well-being of everybody and the sumo community was like we can't fake this you know this is this is an art form to us it's something that has to be done and i i kind of found myself getting into the sumo match a little bit and well and that's that's something that i like about especially the early bond movies is that i mean there there are times where it's done in a in a very like iffy othering way mm-hmm. but there's also stuff that's just we're hanging out in this culture we're seeing how they live their lives like we we're like respecting their tradition you know and uh yeah aki takes bond to meet his contact where we are introduced to charles gray as uh Deco henderson uh and boy what a <laughs> What a performance. Yeah, I mean, this I, is this is a scene where I was like, okay, like, did this need to be here? Like, it almost seems like the information he gets here isn't worth the scene they shot for it. No, he should have been playing the... <laughs> I feel like Charles Gray went back and, like, channeled this performance when he played the criminologist in Rocky Horror. Like, it's, <laughs> it's super similar. Just a jump to the left. 
I was trying to figure out where the fuck <laughs> I knew him from, and you just made me realize. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, I, he looks a lot like the guy who plays the villain in uh, Last Crusade, too. He kind of um, has his facial yes. features that are kind of similar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I almost spoiled something for a later movie, but, uh, yeah, Charles Gray, Charles Gray is, I, I find this character hilarious. I think he's so camp. I think he's playing it perfectly. I think you're right. There's really not a reason for the move for the scene other than for him to be like, you're on the right track old boy. but he is like, I love everything about like, he's well, I've, I've come to do everything Japanese style. And you know, he's, he's like, uh, making him sake. He makes him a, he makes him a vodka martini. And I love, this is the first time we've kind of like, now we know bond is a thing so yeah. we can make fun of his catchphrases and mm-hmm. his drink. And so, uh, that's uh stirred, not shaken. Is that right? I Perfect. made, I made a note. I was like, did he just say stirred and not shaken? Like that's not yeah. right. And Bond is just polite about it. He's like, it's perfect. And yeah. then he he can tell from tasting it that it's Russian vodka, which like this movie really starts the trend that like gets to hilarious degrees in the next movie and in the Roger Moore era where Bond just knows everything. Like he's like a Sherlock Holmes type where he, he knows everything about, I mean, there's... <laughs> I was a former uh, bar, I was a former bartender, so I, my knowledge of uh, alcohol. Yeah, Russian vodka. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he, we had the the scene in. Um, oh, we we already had the scene where Money Penny like throws him the like Japanese translation book, and he's like, ah, "It's okay, I know how to speak Japanese." Yeah, like, <laughs> I already have. I have all these languages memorized. Um, the, Henderson's death, though, I think is great. Yeah, and this is something I've always loved about Japanese culture and whatnot, and how their architecture is with the mm-hmm. with the with the paper walls, especially and the classical stuff. Yeah, for and, sure. And how that plays into you know when when they're doing fight scenes for movies and stuff like that. Like yeah. there's a when when we get to the next scene where Bond is infiltrating the the company. I don't remember the name of it. Off the Asato, top of my head. yeah. And um, I'll tell you what, like I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but that scene, that fight scene in there, so good, is awesome. Yeah, the 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 set design in this movie is immaculate. I mean, yeah. this um, to the point where like the the volcano lair that we see later in the movie cost the same amount as Doctor No's entire production. Yeah, it was ambitious, and they were like, "How the hell are we?" I remember <laughs> I was watching the behind the scenes, and they were yeah. talking about how the construction of this was going on while they were on location filming other things, mm-hmm. and they would check back in, and they're like. Like they could not believe the size of this thing they were building. They built ha- a fucking volcano. They built yeah. a volcano. <laughs> with, it's with a monorail crazy. system in it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, amazing. It's a it's a, it's an evil lair that has a very Disney World feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, like when we get to it later in the movie, Blofeld definitely like lives in the carousel of progress. <laughs> like <laughs> But I love, uh, yeah, Bond busts through this wall. He chases after the the, the killer. Um, and he he puts the killer's mask over his mouth and doubles over to disguise himself and just falls into the getaway car. And my favorite thing is the getaway driver drives him to Asado Chemical Engineering and he makes that driver carry him inside. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the driver has and the driver does so much as to pick Bond up, throw him over his shoulder. Over his shoulder. Doesn't yeah. even bother to check to see if this is the guy that he came with or That's not. That's my favorite thing is he's like, he's like, Are you okay? And Bond's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my stomach. <laughs> and when Jenny and I were watching it, she was like, that's not right. He's like he's like a foot taller than the guy that yeah. was just trying that just assassinated that dude. It's wild. I mean, Bond Bond gets away with everything in this movie. Uh, but yeah, this once he once he wakes up, mm-hmm. the fight rules. Uh, it, there's no music. Yeah, they're beating the shit out of each other. It made me you, think back to Goldfinger in the fight yeah. between Oddjob and Bond. But yeah. this dude, who's essentially a no name in this movie, yeah, is way more intimidating than Oddjob was, in my opinion. Like, I agree. I feel like he's like, I, like I feel like Bond is probably scared to death to be fighting this guy. He's yeah. pretty intimidating. Well, he's keeping him at arm's length too. Like they are they use the room against each other. I mean, Bond picks up a couch, a couch. and just starts. <laughs> <laughs> so good. The couch jousting. <laughs> he eventually, I mean, like they're, they're tearing through trees. They're knocking over ficuses. And eventually Bond smashes a statue over this dude's head shoves him in a closet and makes himself a drink and he's mad that it's siamese vodka yeah which he can tell from the taste <laughs> and i it's funny that all this stuff has to happen perfectly in this scene for bond to get to where he gets mm-hmm. because if he wouldn't have thrown the guy into the bookshelf he wouldn't have seen that there wouldn't was a safe. The safe yeah well and that's every time i watch this movie i i'm like why why is he going why is he getting into the safe like he he doesn't have any re i mean he knows that these people had Henderson killed, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know that there's anything in this safe. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's just stealing whatever's in there in case he needs it. He's grasping at straws for sure. And um, it, that was something that I was watching. I was like, what the hell is he getting in here? Yeah. Like, we don't, like, he knows just about as much as I do about what's going on with this place at this point. As much as I enjoy the scenes at the chemical plant. I think you could lose the entire Asado subplot from this movie and not lose anything. I, if you make it a straight up hunting for Blofeld movie, yeah, like you, you also lose like another 20, 30 minutes from it, but and a couple of great fight scenes. So I get why it's in there, but it, it's not, it's ultimately not necessary. Right. Um, but it's it's a good. I mean, we get another great moment of uh, the femme fatale of the movie pulling up and rescuing Bond, uh, which ca- hops which, in the back of her car, which comes out of nowhere. Which you've already mentioned that sure. she's very preemptive and 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 yeah. assisting Bond in this. Yeah. I I kind of found it a little weird that she is just there and she's like, oh, I'm supposed to be helping you, right? And uh, but so- I do I do like this little chase and the trap door and like all of that stuff. Like I think she's. She smiles right as he like steps onto the panel. Like uh-huh. she knows exactly what's about to happen. And I think that's really funny. Um, and the way Connery slides down and the way he lands in that fucking chair. Yeah. It's like, it was with some force. It's, it's almost yeah. like if, if that would have been any harder, Car- uh, uh, Connery probably would have like broke his tailbone. Like he it was like falls into that chair. Yeah. It was like he power bombed that chair. Like he kicks through gravity mm-hmm. and yeah. And this is our, our introduction to tiger Tanaka tiger voiced uh, by uh voiced by Robert Rietti, who's previously voiced uh, dubbed over a bunch of characters in previous films. 
um, including Emilio Largo in the last movie. Uh, but it, we, Henderson's already told us like he's known as Tiger to his friends, mm-hmm. and he immediately walks up to Bond and says, "Call me Tiger." After he gives him some pretty deserved ribbing for like falling for Aki, like already he's like, "But you, I'm afraid, will get into anything with any girl." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much I, so that he he says that to Bond, and Jenny goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And I, my favorite thing is when people call Bond out on being like a horn dog when it when it like hurts his mission mm-hmm. and it would also land better if tiger wasn't a fucking grosso after oh, this oh man like this is where like these are the moments in the movie where like i'm having a lot of fun and then yeah. you know i texted you i was like mm-hmm. holy man. shit i texted you a scene and i was like yeah I was enjoying this movie and God damn it. They had to ruin it. Well, cause I, 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 t- I actually like, I, my notes are like, this guy rules. He has a private train <laughs> with sake on tap. I don't love how, uh, I don't love how Connery says, Oh, I love Saki. Saki. Like, <laughs> and he knows it's supposed to be served at 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> like fuck off. Um, but they they found this ship, the Ningpo, that was spotted by a tourist who was killed. And so now they're trying to figure out which coast, you know, the photo was taken at. And the whole after, micro the whole micro dot with the message thing was a little much. I was like, Yeah. I did do we really need that here? Like Yeah. It it, it does and it doesn't really amount to anything other than like it, it's this you would get you would get the same results by just having, you know, a photo of that information. Yeah, you know like what you, I mean? You like, didn't it, need it that extra like little bit. Far. Yeah. But uh, apparently, like, that was a big thing. Roald Dahl wanted to infuse, like, more sci-fi stuff into this movie. So uh, he was, like, doing a lot of, like, weird hidden messages and space. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It, it it just all feels like everything has one too many layers to it. Yeah. Um, uh, unlike Tiger, who takes his shirt off and gets in the bath and says, in Japan, men always come first. In Japan, men always come first. Women come second. I might just retire to here. Uh, and he, re- he reveals his cadre of women who work for him and hang out in uh, lingerie and give massages all day. Uh, what does he say to Bond? He's like, you haven't had a proper bath until you've had a Japanese bath or something like that. Yeah, like- and he says you can use, he, he says, uh, my home is yours and so are my possessions. Yeah. It's rough. This is and where it gets icky, it, man. And it's worse because none of these women have lines <laughs> of dialogue. Like it sucks. And the the only the only redeeming factor of the scene is when he calls out Bond's feelings for money penny. Yeah. Which I I love that. Like it's the first time where Bond has actually like acknowledged it to a person outside of that office. Right. That there is someone back home he cares about. Yeah. Um and uh he hooks and, up with aki who's sw- swapped out with a masseuse <laughs> like i don't know well that's I, the thing a, when they're when they're done with the bath and he's like well you can take one of my ladies and she'll she'll do the massage for you and he's like lady here good choice she's very sexable what he, he says sexable sexable oh i thought he said flexible no sexable i, I watch i watch everything with subtitles on now because yeah. i because i i want to make sure i'm getting all information that i need and boy uh, howdy yeah, he, what she, does that she's mean very sexable i don't know i looked at jenny when we were watching and i was like sexable really like <laughs> am i sexable <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah this whole bit is gross uh and there's more there's more weird stuff that basically every time and i hate this because i i like this actor's performance uh, uh tetsuro tamba and robert rietti both coming together to play tiger tanaka mm-hmm. i like this character but also every time the movie cuts back to him it gets gross again <laughs> gross so- and, and and where we'll get to later I yeah. was like, whoa, <laughs> what is happening and why and what can it stop? Yeah, he I wish that the movie was more of like a, a Felix Bond thing, like the two of them, like kind of broing out and mm-hmm. like hunting down Spectre. And instead, it's just literally like, here are my women for you. Like, yeah, it's a lot of that. And it, um, it, it and- even says a lot, it says a lot about how like the, like they, they grasp the Japanese culture and writing for this. And it's like, right. Which is so fascinating because this movie was a co-production with Toho, like mm-hmm. they, they who provided most of the most of the ta- a lot of the talent in the movie and uh, and uh, some shooting permits and sound stages. Like this was like a UK Japan co-production, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of fascinating to me that it is like, uh, I mean, again, like I guess times have changed in both places you know like Mm -hmm. it just it feels very much like this movie there are moments that are like feel so forward thinking and exciting like Mm -hmm. all the space stuff all the stuff in the volcano is so fun um and then there are bits that and and this there's an amazing chase coming up that i still can't believe was shot in 1967 right but like there is so much stuff that feels horrifyingly dated to like this they're half of this movie or 40% of this movie feels more dated than anything we've seen yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like. <laughs> and and that's, what's weird about watching this one is I'm having a great time until certain things happen. And there's about, yeah. there's about two to three instances where I'm watching this movie and I'm having a great time. And all of a sudden it's like, <sighs> Debbie downer, yeah. you know, and I feel the same way. Like I, this is a movie that I, I mean, well, I'll kind of tip my hand right now. Like I don't, I like this movie more than Thunderball. I, I would, can't recommend this movie. <laughs> it's not a movie I feel comfortable saying to saying to another person. You should watch. You should go watch. You only live twice right now in 2022. <laughs> I mean, in the in the case of uh, you're doing a podcast and want to talk about movies, yeah, fine. Let's mm-hmm. let's give it a sure. watch. But yeah, 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 yeah. The, the 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 problematic stuff in this is is very problematic at this but, point in time. But it was the same thing. Like I told you with Thunderball, or not Thunderball, uh, with uh, Goldfinger, where I was just like, this is a movie that like I just don't watch that often and mm-hmm. i and i realized it's because the stuff that i love uh is so good but it re- it necessitates some skipping around or just selective memory to to fully enjoy this picture mm-hmm. um and uh bond is counting on the villains to have selective memory or no records at all because uh he just goes to asado chemicals the next day you posing know, as a potential buyer yeah and that's what i thought was weird i was like okay he's back here again yeah. And uh, magically everything is fixed and put back together and like nothing ever happened. I do like that. But yeah, they 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 get they know that the Asado owns that ship that they saw in the, mm-hmm. in the photo. And this is where we are introduced to uh, Taro Shimada as Mr. Asado and Karen Dorr as uh, Helga Brandt, a.k.a. number 11 for Spectre. And uh, I like Helga. I wish there was more of her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she feels like a like a less exciting Volpe in a lot of ways, but like 
there's some she has some really great moments i love when he comes bond comes in she is they're they're suspicious of each other immediately yeah yeah, yeah, for sure she's looking at him and he's and then he looked at me and like it was (laughs) it was like like they they are they're like seriously like glaring at each other Mm -hmm. even while she's like making a drink and you know me i'm a sucker for a scene where both people already know what's up yeah like mr asato is x-raying him and telling him he's taking a risk and by smoking, you know, but he sees the gun in his pocket. That desk is fucking hilarious too. It, like, rules. Yeah. it might as well be a fucking bar. Cause it's, it's like, yeah. it's up to his chin basically with all this x-ray stuff in it. Like, and it's, it's, it's amazing that bond, like couldn't really put together what was happening in that scene. Almost. Well, so that's like, my question is, is bond playing stupid here or is bond being stupid here? That's, you know what I mean? I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, because he because he seems very relaxed while this guy is doing this and he gets through this sequence where he says, OK, well, we'll set up an appointment uh, to, to you know, uh, buy all of these chemicals from you leaves and Asano very uh, casually just goes, kill him, kill him. And there's dudes with machine guns right outside. <laughs> yeah, like in broad daylight. Yeah. And again, Aki comes to the fucking rescue. (laughs) Yeah. But this is a good car chase. I think like uh, the, the, um, the rear projection is getting better and better by the movie. Although there's some really dicey stuff later and Um, how the car chase ends. I was not expecting at all. (laughs) It's so good. It's a Batman move. Like it is. um, I love that they have really polite codes. Like Aki says, arrange the usual reception, please. (laughs) This helicopter comes in. My 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 actual note is helicopter comes in and fucks up the bad guys with a magnet. <laughs> my note was they dropped them in the fucking ocean. Yeah, he, <laughs> they drop them and they, they pick them up with a magnet, drop them in the sea. And Tiger says, how's that for Japanese efficiency? And Bond <laughs> says, just a drop in the ocean. <laughs> Great. It's a good it's a good one because he gets some pretty lame uh one-liners in this movie and that's a good one they weren't all hitting for me in this one they weren't hitting as much as they were in the past movies um so yeah so uh they have to get to the docks to intercept this uh this ship from asado chemicals and so bond tells tiger contact him tell him to send little nelly and her father (laughs) and you know just from watching all these bond movies i'm like okay this is where we're gonna get our cue scene yeah and uh, but the way it's the way he says that is hilarious. It's so funny. And and when Q finally shows up, I was, it's just it's so funny. Like it, it but it it takes so it takes a bit because we get that crazy fight at the docks first. That rooftop shot of him fighting everybody Isn't on the that roof so good is awesome, dude. Yeah, um, Bond Bond gets like they get jumped at the docks. Bond gets a really great fight on like these conveyor belts. Yeah. And then like leads up to the roof. I do wish we got a couple of close-ups, but like that like sweeping shot. We haven't really had an action scene like this in a Bond no. movie yet either. Yeah. Like where it, it kind of st- starts on the roof and then moves up and you get the aerial well, shot of the roof. And doesn't and it like look that? like a, like it looks like a Kung Fu movie, like from yeah. the seventies, like oh. it feels really ahead of its time. Well, we're going to get to some Kung Fu <laughs> stuff here. Just a little <laughs> boy. Howdy. Will we ever, <laughs> um, but man, like what made me, what made me laugh is like, he, he makes it, he starts to make his getaway by doing, he does two separate flips off a roof. And luckily there's like a sandbag on each level. Yeah. And then he gets knocked out with a wrench. Yeah. Um, and this is where he is interrogated by by Helga. 
Well, enjoy yourself. Who are you? And I love this scene. It's so good. You know yeah, it feels I, like from a different movie almost. And, and I'm right there with you. At this point, I'm loving when the two the two characters ha- know they know each they yeah. they figured each other out. And even though like he's still kind of in this uh, sort of he's playing this character, yeah. I love that he's he's figured out that she she knows what's up at this point. I might as well yeah. fucking tell her that I'm a spy. But he but he twists it by saying I'm a corporate spy. I'm yeah. just trying to steal trade secrets. I could get you a lot of money. And I think her performance is really good, but her character is iffy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it feels like she turns really quickly. She flips on a dime for sure. But That's then the- she- yeah, when she leaves him in the plane, that rules. <laughs> it's pretty boss. It's pretty fucking boss. She, she, like, she's parachuting down and just smiling, like watching the plane go down. It's so good. <laughs> this is where some of the uh, the the rear projection and the insert shots and whatnot. I was like, when, little, when she's when she's parachuting down and you can see the the plane flying down behind yeah. her. I was like, oh, that looks a little bad, but it looks I like can... that shot of Black Dynamite <laughs> parachuting. <laughs> Finally, Q arrives. <laughs> and Q, Q has my favorite, my favorite Q line yet since his like with complete disdain line from the last movie. Look, 007, I've had a long and tiring journey, probably to no purpose, and I'm in no mood for your juvenile quips. <laughs> I I'll go ahead and play my hand. Like yeah. I'm look I'm looking forward to the Q and Bond scenes in these movies right? at this point. They're the best. I, wa- my, I wanna yeah. see Q fucking ribbon on Bond and it's Bond so just standing there just smirking at him the entire time. It is it is like a perfect little oasis of comedy in uh-huh. these movies. Like and like the 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 little time lapse shot of them because little Nelly is this pro this yeah, and let uh, me say, to helicopter. my surprise, yeah. I was completely expecting a whole nother gadget. Uh, uh, scene but it's just this and then when they carry out these cases and you get this scene of them putting little nelly together i was like holy shit it rules and it's a the time lapse is great this is like an actual device all of the gadgets in this movie are real like they were they were supplied by the military so like this little this little helicopter is real the rocket cigarette is real uh, I mean, it sucked in real life. It could only shoot like two feet and couldn't be aimed. So, like, <laughs> but all of that stuff was real. Um, Q's outfit in this slaps. He's like Great. a dad on safari. Like, yep. so, and he's sweating his balls off. Yes. But I love the whole scene of them putting this together. Him telling yeah. Bond about the, the guns and the rockets and the, yeah. the all this, all the smoke bombs and whatnot. And then, you know, aerial grenades, or sorry, aerial mines. Make sure you're above them when you let them go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like Bond would be like heading straight for them and be like, take that suckers. Oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> like he thinks Bond is that dumb. Listen, you um, idiot. This is how you have to work these things. Yes, it's so good. Um, and and it's followed by an exceptional action sequence um you know bond sees the shadows of these copters flanking him mm-hmm. it's it's a great bit because we get all these like really nice like aerial shots of the island he's trying to find where their base could possibly be and then all of a sudden they're there and when yeah. we know what we know about the volcano later 
they clearly came up out of the volcano and flanked him. Yeah. But like, it's, it's just a really great reveal. And this is where the bond theme kicks in and he just wastes these dudes. <laughs> yeah. It's an awesome aerial fight. Yeah. And he, I, I'm loving every second of it. And even with the gadgets and the rockets and the guns yeah. and whatnot. And uh, there's one one of the rockets he shoots does a complete fucking U-turn and goes back and hits. Oh, like homing missiles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's the best. So so there's the one shot of the dude like trying to see through the helicopter blades and the sun as mm-hmm. these mines are dropping down on him. And it, it, it is a perfectly timed piece of music because that homing missile, he fires it out. It circles back around and hits right as the sting at the the bring at mm-hmm. the end of the theme hits no notes it, like it, it's yeah. so good the only thing about this scene that kind of gets me is 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 the fact that he's flying little nelly in this helicopter fight I know. Yeah. and it looks it looks silly silly but i i'm still having a lot of fun with it he doesn't look engaged you right. know what i mean like he doesn't the, like that's the one thing that takes me out of a lot of these action sequences is just how not into it connery is mm-hmm. um because he and, looks like he's literally sitting there being filmed with a rear projection behind him like, yeah he's just like yeah um yeah and, and that's that's kind of a bummer like i'd love to see what one of the other i mean i will we'll kind of get a sequence like this in another in a more movie uh and but yeah it, it's it's well this leads there, me to there some are moments of it that don't quite work for me but it's this so leads fun. me to some more behind the scenes stuff that I saw. Um, yeah. And, you know, helicopters in James Bond movies don't mix too well. We had our instance with Terrence Young and uh, the incident, I believe it was on um, you only or, um, from Russia with, with Love, where yeah. they were scouting in the helicopter crashed. He was trapped underwater. Yeah. All of that stuff. And in this one, we had another helicopter crash. Yeah. For cameraman Johnny Jordan, the shifting air currents would have devastating consequences. Another helicopter was supposed to go underneath him and there was an updraft of air. And his rotor blade sliced through the skid. And the propeller went right through his foot. He was quite seriously injured. Typical of a cameraman, he immediately panned down to see his leg hanging off. Oh, I didn't know that. Is he, was he in an avalanche? Was he, or there's some, because there were, there were, there were a few accidents on that set as well. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get into it next month, but yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. But uh, perilous for sure. Yeah, they, they didn't go into details about it, but they said he worked on the next Bond film and, and ultimately lost his life working on it. So these movies, I mean, the, um, I, I meant to mention this earlier when they were location scouting in Japan, the producers got, we're supposed to get back on a flight to head back to uh, the UK to start prepping the production uh, mm-hmm. and fil- filming the, you know, the stuff there. And they were told by one of the reps at Toho, like, Hey, if you stick around this afternoon, we'll show, there's going to be a live ninja demonstration. And they were like, uh, fuck yeah. Which is also what I would say. Oh yeah. And so they decided to stay to watch the ninjas um, and the flight that they were supposed to catch crashed and everyone on board died so literally like we came very close to this movie not happening at all because of a a a, a flight malfunction like it's it's truly like it's truly wild how what what the fuck was superman saying when he said it's the most (laughs) it's the safest way to travel like what was he thinking (laughs) um 
But and that's not the only bit of drama that happened on this film either. There's something I'm going to get to later that oh really also shocked me. Okay, um, nothing nothing quite as tragic as someone losing a foot, but yeah. something pretty fucked up. Oh gosh, okay. Um, so this is this is when the the Russian space shot is also intercepted by Spectre, but this time we get to see it come back and our first glimpse of the volcano layer Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone's clearing out as this roof opens and it's a long shot it's a lot of like these movies love uh, especially early on love putting people in rooms reading dials and saying you know number five approach you know Mm -hmm. levels nominal you know it's a lot of that but it's not as dry as it was in Dr. No, because the spectacle it backs it up. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so this sequence, I, I absolutely love watching the rocket come in and, uh, you know, approaching Earth and like the kind of goofy animation of it, you know, heating up as it enters the atmosphere. Right. Um, and Washington is positive. At this point, they're like, well, the Russians stole our first ship, and now they've spirited away one of their own just to try to throw off suspicion. Um, And I love, uh, you know, I I said this about Largo in the last movie. I love when the villains are on the ground getting the work done. I love seeing Asado in the control room Mm -hmm. um, and Blofeld with his cat. Which which is really like this late in the movie, we're really, oh, we're back to Blofeld. Back to Blofeld. Withdraw captive spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) I was also interested to learn that uh, Donald Pleasance was not cast as Blofeld at first. Right. So he, uh, the the original actor cast was uh, Jan Warrick, who they said that he just seemed very, like, sickly. uh, The Lewis Gilbert called him a... A rather benevolent Father Christmas. Rather sweet-looking old man. Cubby said, my God, this is ridiculous. What are we going to do? The crew shoots for five days with John Wedick before Lewis Gilbert realizes the part must be recast. Uh, so he, they were just like, he he just didn't like quite work for them. So they were like, we need to get someone scary. So mm-hmm. they cast Donald Pleasance, a guy that we both fuck with massively. Big time. You only live twice, Mr. Bond. And, Ple- and Pleasance came in and was just like, uh, I want to look crazy. Like, <laughs> like well, you fucking his, succeeded, buddy. <laughs> it was his idea to have the scar. I don't think he blinks at any point in the movie. And the way he delivers his dialogue reminds me a little bit of Joseph Wiseman. Like, make, do Dr. No, but German, sort of. Like, vaguely European. Well, in the shots where you've got just the the arm you know the the yeah. the doctor claw shots basically yes yeah <laughs> he, uh i was wondering if donald pleasance was actually doing the audio in this or if they had him dubbed like they do sure. with a lot of the a lot of the people in these movies and there's certain points where it hits where i feel like it's it's not him and then there's okay. obvious points That's where it is him yeah and um but you know the ultimate reveal of blowfield doesn't come to a little bit later yeah but, mean, he has like eight minutes of screen time in this yeah. movie. Like, honestly, like it's, it's pretty incredible that he leaves such an impression too. Yeah. And I was a little taken aback when I saw Donald Pleasance in the cast list at the beginning. Cause I was like, Oh, sure. this is where they're going to reveal who, who Blofeld is. Yeah. And I felt like it was a weird choice to have him in this movie because he, he comes yeah. in so late. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, I don't know as much as I love Donald Pleasance and me yeah. and you can fuck with some Donald Pleasance. Yeah. I I kind of feel like he plays this role a little comically. Yeah. 
And I feel like Blofeld or number one, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. him, was a lot more menacing when you didn't know who he was. Yeah, I agree. I think Blofeld as a as a rule works better as an unseen villain. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the cat literally is out of the bag in this one. <laughs> and like he Blofeld becomes more of a presence after this. And I think also some of this is a consequence of them trying to they were with i can't spoil anything from on her majesty's secret service but the plot of you only live twice the novel is severely personal by trying to make this movie happen before on her majesty's you lose so much of what makes blofeld uh intriguing in this story um to the point where i would love to see someone redo i mean they kind of did that in the latest the latest Bond movie, but I would love to see someone reapproach this particular series of Fleming books and and like really get that through that emotional through line for these characters. Because yeah, I, I agree. I here's my question: Would it have been better if when Bond goes when because we we get the Blofeld reveal when Bond goes to sabotage the spaceship? He starts to get in. Instead of saying, stop that astronaut, would it have worked better if Blofeld had leaned into the microphone and said, Bond, get your ass away from there. <laughs> I certainly would have loved that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I if think, it would have worked better, but that would have been know. great. <laughs> but we we do we do get that Blofeld. Uh, I don't know. There's something about I, I, there's something about how casually evil he is through a lot of this movie. Like he. He, he says, I'm going to retire to my apartment. And there's a great shot of everyone standing to watch him leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're introduced to Hans, which is the, the bl- blonde bodyguard of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, red, very Red Grant-esque uh, looking dude. And Blofeld tells these guys that he's working with, uh, I've decided I want $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or I will kill you. And they're like, this is extortion. And he goes, extortion is my business. Extortion is my business. Go and think it over, gentlemen. I'm busy. Go and think it over, gentlemen. I'm busy. Like, I like like the casual evil here. Um, I love Donald Pleasance. Yeah. It's just the character here. The the reveal of the character is, is, and ultimately I think, and as I've touched on many times as we've gone through this, you know, uh, being parodied with Dr. Evil. Sure. I, th- I think it's it's kind of made that reveal lose its luster for, for anyone coming into that the series sense. at this point. Let this be a reminder to you all that this organization will not tolerate failure. Yeah. And because you, you've seen you've seen essentially this character be comedic in yeah. the last in the last two decades. You know, yeah, that's so, why I'm, I'm so fat. I'm, I can't wait for you to see the next one, because I wonder how it plays for someone who is very familiar with Austin Powers before watching this. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's also like a 10 steps ahead of everybody else. He's like, look, I, I, I do like the, he's like, we only know one spy who uses a Walther PPK. Like, <laughs> M specifically told him to carry that. Yeah. Um, and he kills number 11 with a trap door, drops her into some piranhas. I was shocked. The waste of this character. Though. Yes. And I mean, I, I was fully expecting it. As the scene unfolds, I was like, God damn it, she's going to get fed to the piranhas. Kill Bond. 
now. Similarly to the way he says, get out now in Halloween 2. So, uh, yeah, Asato is just like, fuck, okay, I guess I'll go try harder to kill Bond. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bond returns to uh, Tiger's compound, and Tiger says my favorite line in the movie, bad news from outer space. (laughs) (laughs) Outer? space outer space <laughs> they need a team uh to infiltrate the volcano uh before world war three breaks out and tiger <laughs> the scene made me laugh so this transition made me laugh so hard tiger says this is my ninja training school and then it cuts two ninjas running into frame and screaming and it the cut makes it look like they were just over there and bond didn't see them right it, it makes me laugh every i rewatched it like four times it's so funny it's great dude and 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 and, and 10 year old me would have been like hell yeah ninjas yeah. like i had no well, idea there were ninjas in a bond movie doesn't and this the, yeah does and doesn't this feel like the good guys version of specter island from yes from russia with love that was my note i was like this looks very familiar yeah <laughs> um and it's the tiger explains for the audience uh for uh, what a ninja is it's the art of concealment and surprise these motherfuckers are so loud yeah (laughs) there's there's no mistaking when these dudes are around god damn Um, it's like a bunch of raphael's just like i lost a sigh (laughs) damn but yeah, he, and he, then he says, now we shall meet some modern ninjas. And they go downstairs and the shot of all the dudes holding guns, like while they're marching, like, obliterated. That's me. where I was it's taking so it good. back as like, uh, and then to, to my knowledge, ninjas don't use guns, but okay, I'll roll with it. They almost exclusively use guns yeah. in this movie, including <laughs> rocket, rocket guns. guns. I was over it at that point. It's like, oh fuck, you're gonna give him rocket guns? Okay, and I'm they're back real. On board. Those are real too. And he's like, these are all rocket guns. Like he says it so matter of factly. <laughs> this might be my favorite scene in the movie, actually. <laughs> like it's, it's so my, funny. It's a it's a great scene until you get to the point where he tells Bond, oh. First, you become a Japanese. Second, you train hard and quickly to become a ninja. And third, you take a wife. Is she pretty? <laughs> she has a face like a pig. The hell with that idea. So we've got misogyny and just bonkers shit. Like this is, this is wild. This, this is at the point in my notes where I, I said, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god." Yeah, he's Japanese. This was, this was the reason I've been terrified to do this movie. The spa slash surgery scene where they are like altering like, his eyes and putting a wig on him and dyeing his pubic hair. <laughs> like, might as well be the scene from Face Off. Jesus. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Um, And then like, his fucking haircut, dude. It's it's a wig. They show them pick up a toupee, which is so funny that a finally a Bond movie like acknowledged that Connery wears a toupee. But like, <laughs> it's, yeah. And then he, like, Why? Does he have to be? Because he the the I, the implication is that we can't have anybody. They've seen you. Asado has seen you. So mm-hmm. in order to get you onto the island, so you can find Spectre's lair, you have to go undercover as a Japanese fisherman. That's mm-hmm. the only way we can get you on the island. He's on the island for an afternoon. 
before yeah. he goes out fishing and finds the the lair so like ultimately the only reason that this is in the movie is because something kind of similar happened in the novel but in the novel he spent months in japan with no memory of who he was here it seems like it, they're just bending over backwards to get this in there for no reason yeah it's and, not practical and, and even the fact that you go through all of this to essentially just put Bond in a wig because they go through all this trouble of showing this surgery. And I think there may be a shot or two where he has some sort of face augmentation. But he's, after that, it's literally tease. just Sean Connery with a fucking wig on. They tease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they like, they like teased his eyebrows and he like kind of like hunches over, like he changes his posture a little bit. Uh-huh. But even then, he's not committed to the bit because he comes in and immediately sleeps with Aki, who is just like, you know, you can't do, you know, like this is not part of the plan. And he's like, fuck it. And then they they sleep together. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a nice moment where she she says, like, Tiger says you have to do this and that. And he goes, Oh, Tiger did good for him. Yeah. Um, but then it, yeah. The relationship between he and Aki in this movie is good. She's interested in him, he's interested in her. Yes. He never forces himself upon her, which no. we've seen him do a couple of times in other which, movies. How insane is it that that's the bar now yeah. where we're just like, oh, Bond waited for consent. That's cool. Yeah. Like one of my notes when when she comes in when he's having the massage and she comes yeah. in and takes over and they they do their thing. She my, makes the move. It's, my, it's, no, it's, uh, my note yeah. was at least she's into it. Like that's yeah. that's at the point where I'm just like, well, okay, if she's into it, I'm cool. But, <laughs> we are longing for the days of Sylvia Trench. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's where we're at right now. Um, where a gal breaks into his hotel room and plays some golf. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like uh, th- this, this sequence is really good too. I think. I, I think Aki's character is wasted. I mean, legitimately, like they they kill her off so that they can then introduce another uh, love interest immediately. Yeah. Which but- I mean. Ultimately, I'll go ahead and say, like, it it doesn't work for me. Like, yeah, it's they don't even say Kissy's name in the movie. No, like, no, they don't. She's such a major character in the book, too, with like this really incredible um, inner turmoil because she knows who James is, but she loves him so much. She doesn't want him to remember who he is. And like, Mm -hmm. there's this. Uh, this is all stuff i would love to actually see on screen amnesia storylines are so weird but like i it's a really it's a really great she's and and she's a really great character in the book and that's probably why i'm so confused as to what's going on here too it (laughs) probably makes more sense in the book being that he has amnesia because there's nothing like that here no and you get aki dies in a great scene i like the assassination of her is amazing where he drips the poison down the string and i loved that shit it's shot really well and she dies because she just rolls over to snuggle him in her Mm -hmm. sleep and um, this is one of Connery's best moments in the movie where he's watching her and he's just helpless. Yeah. You know, she starts choking and she's dead before he can even get to her. And so he just turns and murders that assassin. He shoots him twice in the back. And uh, and that oh, scene well. would have <laughs> like that's like and that like, scene would have a lot of weight had he not tried to get into the girl's pants immediately after yeah. Aki dies. Like, well, and that's the thing is like Aki is then never mentioned again. Yeah. Uh, we're immediately, immediately cut to 
uh, ninjas breaking everything, breaking ice. They're slashing watermelons. They're staff fighting, buns training. He kills one of them because they tried to stab him with a knife mm-hmm. hidden in a staff. Um, and um, we get the wedding, which is uh, it's a slog, man. It's it takes so long. Yeah, and the whole gag is that women keep coming up that he thinks are ugly. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, that's the joke. Yeah. We don't really get that from Connery because he's not invested. Right. But, like, that's the gag is that Tiger has told him, like, you're going to get an ugly wife. Mm-hmm. And so these women keep coming up and Bond's just kind of like, like, <laughs> uh, brought me another uggo, Tiger. And then, uh, like, it's so mean to these actresses. And then, uh, yeah, Kissy Suzuki, who is, like, a... a, a one of his one of tiger's protégés arrives mm-hmm. to marry him and yeah immediately bond is like uh well we should have a honeymoon <laughs> we I, gotta should, get, we... I gotta get in your pants you know it's, it's but i like kissy immediately because she says no honeymoon this is business yeah and bond <laughs> pushes his oysters away he's like i won't need these then because this was also when we still thought they were an aphrodisiac apparently yeah because he because he tried to what didn't that come up in a recent movie where he, he tried, tried to serve it in someone? thunder it was in thunderball, in thunderball. that's right <laughs> they're like uh, you've been reading the wrong books domino yeah. says that yeah yeah domino's calls him out on his shit and she's like oh no no and i was like oh we're back to the fucking oysters again yeah i get it's such a weird he's such a punk like he starts to have dinner and then she says she won't sleep with him. So he pushes the oysters away. And I wish he'd just been like, I guess I won't need to come later. Like, I don't know. What it is. I don't know. It's just so weird. Um, it is. And this is, this is the other information that I found here is, is the actress here who plays her. Oh. Apparently uh, they weren't very happy with her performance at first. Mm-hmm. I and did they read were, about this. And they were going to replace her. Gosh. It's no good for her and it's no good for us. Will you take her out to dinner and tell her that she has to go back to Japan? And I said, well, Tamba, how did it go? He said, tonight she commits suicide. She will jump out of the window at the Dorchester. <gasps> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a story. Like I don't know that we've ever heard her say that but like that's a story that multiple people have told from that set which is like yeah horrifying um which in 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 the in the behind the scenes footage where they're talking about this they also talk about when they recast for blowfield mm-hmm. and got donald pleasantson and uh they kind of make a joke about it they're like so well we got the same problem but this time i know that he won't commit suicide because he's a well-known czech actor wow and i was and i was like I was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> she's she's not even credited by her full name mm-hmm. in the end credits. Um, but they they find out that the American launch, the, the second launch has moved up to midnight. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we have to find this island now because if Spectre steals another shuttle, it'll be war. And so James's wife says... Uh, that she knows of a local girl who sailed into a local into a island nearby and died and so he's like okay so we need to you need to take me to that cave and this is where we get some pretty bad rear projection as they like sail out with the fishing fleet mm-hmm. um 
but I love this sequence of the like the mustard gas starts pouring into the cave so they dive out and you know go below and this is how you shoot an underwater sequence without it taking 45 minutes yeah uh, <laughs> but it, it's almost a requirement of a Bond movie to have some sort of an underwater sequence at yeah. this point though but it's gorgeously shot and uh they get out and rest on this hill and my question here that I wrote is why does she kiss him other than the script says so? Because <laughs> they're not even talking about anything interesting. Like, he's literally just like, thank you. I appreciate that. And she's like, yeah. I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, like, that's <laughs> not a, really what they say, but it might as well be that. I kind of like that Aki dies and, and like they, that weight of that is there. But ultimately, yeah. like, she could have continued, like... I, I don't know, man. Like the problem with switching from one Bond girl to the next yeah. in this movie really is just ridiculous and it doesn't work very well. No, I agree. And uh, it's something that, uh, again, I'm kind of tipping my hand a little bit. The 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 requirement of these movies for Bond to sleep around is the biggest knock for me against next month's movie. Mm. Um because if you if you want me to be invested in a love story with this character mm -hmm. you can't have him fuck the next person he sees like yeah. it's uh it's one of the reasons why i loved one of the things i loved about no time to die is that there's not a there's not really a bond girl in the traditional sense in yeah. that he has there, there are definitely more women characters in the movie who are capable and who are like a, a match for bond but he's only got eyes for one person. Right. And I love that. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of fuck with a monogamous bond sometimes. <laughs> like if it works for the story, like if you're and, telling the story where he's falling for this Japanese secret agent, don't then invalidate her existence right after she dies. And as you mentioned in the book where he's got amnesia, like, okay, if you want to <laughs> yeah. play the amnesia angle, angle on it, I can buy right. into that and I'm fine. Right. But yeah, don't don't show me Bond being very upset that the love interest he's had throughout this entire movie just died. Mm -hmm. And then he instantly wants to get in this farce's pants. Right. Well, like, and that's the that's the other thing is like I I don't disagree with Roald Dahl that this was not a great book because it was uh, it, it was like toward the end of his. Like, it's not a great book, but I wish we had gotten that actual emotional yeah. through line that we get in that book because it does it does change the way you see bond in some respects um but uh so and speaking of changing the way you see things they see a helicopter fly into the volcano so bond immediately starts putting on his little ninja outfit that he just had in his pocket um and spider-man's down the fucking wall <laughs> sure does he sends kissy to get tiger and i i love this shot of him scaling the wall but there's a weird continuity error because he's like climbing down a pipe in the wide shots. And then when it goes to the close up, he's just on a flat surface. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, well, it, it's this weird little bit, but it, it looks really cool. Well, you want to talk about some continuity issues. I mean, the fact that they found this place within the time frame that they did and that she runs back and gets people to bring back to the hideout. She didn't have a, she didn't have a boat. <laughs> like, no, what did like, she do? And she's I like, don't go think get Tiger. And she's like, oh, okay. And did I'll she swim. even have, did she even have shoes on? I don't even no. think she had fucking shoes on. No, because when Tiger arrives, she's still in her swimsuit yeah <laughs> like, 
Um, like she couldn't so, have put on some clothes and brought everybody back. No, I'm just, I don't have time to change. No. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the bikini and we're going to go fight fucking Blofeld. And no, Spectre. see, I, my head cannon is she dove back underwater, grabbed like a conch shell. Fucking like called. <laughs> They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Like I got to get over here. Um, but uh, I, I like all of this sneaking around in the volcano lair. I love the scene of all the hostages talking, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, back where I, it's like, do you have to do a lot of training to become an astronaut? And oh, where I'm from, we call them cosmonauts. <laughs> Bond like knocks on the door and one of the, the American just goes like, who the hell are you? Like, it's so good. <laughs> Ungrateful uh, that someone's rescuing you right now. <laughs> And he beats this. Sh- yeah, you're, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Uh, because they they beat these guys up, steal their uniforms, and um, Bond goes to get on the ship, like onto the onto the shuttle. And Blofeld sees right through it. He says, "You know, you a real astronaut wouldn't have gotten onto the ship with his air conditioner." <laughs> and when they unmask Bond. A, there's this great shot of Asato refusing to look at him because he's mm-hmm. like fucked up not killing this guy like three times. Yeah. Um, I love that there's that banter between him and number 11 throughout this. He's like, oh, I told her to kill him. And then, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> fi- right. Yeah. And then, uh, then Blofeld gives us the title of the movie. You only yep. live twice, Mr. Bond. Um, he, he, I, I get what you're saying about it feeling like, a little goofy, but mm-hmm. there's stuff that I like about, again, like the casualness to his mm-hmm. evil. Like he, it is just a, it, this is his job. Yeah. And he, he kind of like the, the, the delivery of, I'm about to inaugurate a little war. Like, it's, it's just very good. Like he's like, this is only like one of five baskets. He's got his fingers in this week. Like, yeah, I, I just appreciate, cause as we established in Thunderball, they're doing, all the crime <laughs> right responsible for all the crime in the world uh, all the all of the uh, terrorism extortion revenge um yeah uh, and and as as they're as they're kind of setting up their rocket to uh to to go up into space we get more shots of people flipping switches checking screens opening mm-hmm. doors blofeld's just vi there's a couple of shots of blofeld just vibing with his head back like he's sitting like this yeah just kind of petting his cat like it looks like he's just kind of taking a load off um the cat gets a lot more screen time than he does ultimately and there are oh, so, sure and, and you've brought it up already like this cat's not fucking happy he's, to be here he is oh here uh how do i do this okay this guy yeah, is that guy. Upset. Upset. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, this is also where we get one the reveal that Blofeld's plan is once Spectre has the other ship, they're gonna blow both of them up. Yeah, to just like he's like now there's like no question we're gonna like I'm gonna pit America and Russia against each other. Mm-hmm. Nuclear war, World War Three is happening tonight, and I'm gonna profit off of it. Um, but outside, this might one of my favorite shots of the movie. Tiger arrives at the volcano, and there's that shot of all of the ninjas suddenly revealing themselves, like coming yeah. out from behind rocks and like standing on the crater. And Blofeld sees all of them on the on the cameras, so he just switches on the crater guns, and these machine guns start mowing down the ninjas. And he yeah. goes, uh, he tells Bond, he's like, "You can watch it on the TV." Uh, <laughs> 
and I, I also always appreciate how amiable Bond villains are because he's like, yeah, I'll let you have a cigarette. Bond shoots a little cigarette rocket, kills the guy with the switch to open the crater. And this is where the movie both gets rad, but also feels like we've seen it before. Like this is like a more expensive version of the Fort Knox raid, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote my notes. That this is a lot more fun than the end of Thunderball. Sure. But ultimately feels a lot like the end of Goldfinger. Yeah, just this big army. Bond kind of gets lost in a lot of it. And I keep coming back to this thing of like, he he needed ninja training for this. Right. Because he's not doing anything that's not his normal routine. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but I do, there's some really fun stuff in here. Kissy gets in a couple of really great shots. She saves Tiger. Um, there's some gnarly squibs in this sequence. Like there's one bit where a guy just gets like pop, 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 like mm-hmm. torn, people are getting torn up and it's like, it's kind of crazy violent. Um, and then you are so that. used to seeing people just go like, ah, like <laughs> right. feel over. And then like, even uh, like the, even the aspect of feeding to the piranhas, like we had a little bit of that yeah. in Thunderball with the sharks. Um, but you know, I, I love, I love the, the, the seesaw bridge over over the piranhas yeah, where and that's fun. how he eliminates people but then you get hans the 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 goon for hire who ends sure. up in the piranha pit um, yeah because he telegraphs his last punch like yeah. way too hard and bond just kind of throws him in um yeah i i, I do love blofeld just kind of blofeld immediately starts piecing out when the explosions start going off in the mm-hmm. building that cat is he's holding on to that cat for dear life yeah and he eventually just leaves it mm-hmm. um but uh he yeah he shoots a sato and then he goes to shoot bond and gets a ninja star in his hand and he falls into his little escape pod that takes off and i thought there's like a whine from the the track mm-hmm. and i thought it was blowfeld for a second like going <laughs> ah! like which would just fit that character in the, yeah. at this ah! point um, <laughs> there's also some really fun shaky cam throughout this which i don't mm-hmm. think we've really gotten in a bond movie like no. the, as everything's exploding there's like a lot of like almost handheld shots it almost mm-hmm. it looks like of like bond tiger and kissy like trying to get across the room um now, and apparently there was a big to do with all of the rappelling down from the entrance of the of the volcano. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess since they had seen this ninja demonstration, I think they hired a lot of these people to come work on the movie. I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, the apparently sword choreo- the sword stuff looks great. Like whenever they yeah. finally do start doing like ninja stuff, like mm-hmm. it looks awesome. But apparently when they told them that they had to rappel down these lines, they were like, oh, fuck, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But That's yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, again, this is this is where me seeing Austin Powers yeah. more than this really gives me Austin Power vibes up to the oh, point sure. of where when 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 Blofeld is escaping, like Dr. Evil escapes at the end of those movies. Yeah. So and then just again, like this is giving and, me a lot more respect for Austin Powers. But sure, I, I, you know, a lot of the tropes, like even the trope with um with with bond you know being attached to to someone and then still sleeping around like they yeah. they address that in the second austin powers movies like well i'm yeah. a spy i do what i have to do to get my job yeah. done so well there's there's that bit also i mean it the the one of the alternate endings for the first austin powers movie has him and uh elizabeth hurley in a little raft and she's like how did we get here what, what are we doing here and he goes this is how all these movies end baby <laughs> like 
Like that's Which is so funny because my line, my last note that I took is is this the third one to end in a life raft? Yeah. I, yes. Yeah. Every it's single crazy, one. dude. And I, but before that, like uh, Bond is able to sh- shut down the countdown. Blofeld destroys the volcano layer. I love all the miniature work here. Like the, there's a shot of an explosion going off in the main room and like the bodies on the floor are like bouncing from the explosion <laughs> and props are like knocked over. Um, and there's that really funny bit where they're in the life raft and the sub surfaces underneath them and money penny is just ready to like interrupt them yeah she's like i'll take i got this one sir yep. like it's so good <laughs> um but yeah I, again uh james bond will return and on her majesty's secret service which is a really fun uh i i do like the specificity of the the credit says the end of you only live twice in case you <laughs> forgot what movie you were watching um but yeah man it's a it's a wild ride, right? This one is a wild ride for sure. And, and you know, that's, it's, uh, it's kind of a love hate relationship, man, because I'm yeah, having a lot I of agree. fun in certain aspects of this movie. And then there's, there's, there's key points that happen where I'm just like, Oh fuck, dude, you had to ruin yeah. it. Like, yeah. but I mean, I, I, I would still say I had a little more fun with this than I did with Goldfinger. It's tough. I think I think I'm pretty like neck and neck on Goldfinger in this one. I I like it. I like this one more than Thunderball. I think it's more entertaining than Thunderball. Um, but I yeah, it's it's just the there's so there's a few scenes in this movie that feel like not only dated but just sort of reprehensible. Like I in a, in a way that like is very different from the stuff that I had problems with in previous Bond movies, where I'm just mm-hmm. I I can't imagine how anyone thought it was a good idea or if it meant how it made sense for the plot structure mm-hmm. um you know because there's some stuff where you're just like oh well clearly our views on other cultures and women have changed you know yeah uh or you know I, I don't know the way hollywood treats other cultures and women well <laughs> it's hollywood, a sticky subject hollywood man. will break your heart man hollywood yeah. will break your heart but uh, yeah, there, there's just there's stuff that's really hard for me to get around to the point where like I enjoy this movie for the most part, but I couldn't recommend it. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's um, that's tough with all of them that we've watched so far. Like I right. I like I, I like aspects of them. Like and you so know. far the like I mean I, I, we'll we'll do our Connery rankings when we're done with them. But yeah, uh, yeah I I agree with you, man. Uh, there's 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 stuff there's a lot of stuff to love in this and i think just as much stuff to you know yeah tilt your head at <laughs> absolutely but uh yeah i mean you only live twice uh yeah you know? uh but next month oh shit like i'm excited mm-hmm. i'm excited yeah, like i've i've heard a lot of people talk about this movie in high regard mm-hmm. i know that you you like this movie like like you've said I before it's not movie. just one of yeah. your favorite movies like one of your favorite movies of all time for sure. So I, you know, I'm also interested in the fact that George Lazenby is the only time he played Bond, and this yeah. is our first new Bond after Connery. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how the changeup is going to go. For sure. And then, and then even, you know, once we get past it, like how, you know, how we, how we receive Connery back after that movie. So uh, we're, we're entering the spot where we're start starting to go through changes within the bond franchise that I'm getting very excited about because we got Lazenby and then back to, to, to Connery. And then we go into more. Yeah. And I, 
I, what a I've, treat. Yeah, I, I just I can't wait to get into the more era, and especially with the fact that there's so many of the more movies. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if they're all just going to start running together, but we'll we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I I'm I'm really looking forward to the coming months because uh, there's some really wacky shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but man, if you had to guess what on Her Majesty's Secret Service is about, what would you say? My best guess for this one is is that. Um... They call upon Bond for a special mission, maybe something he's never had to deal with before, and uh, maybe it's more than he asked for. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's that's the best guess I have. Yeah, it's it's a tough title. Like, it doesn't seem to, like, really evoke anything specific. Right. Um, like, so, yeah. I'm I very... just, special mission, maybe something that he hasn't hasn't dealt with before, mm-hmm. that, that sort of feel. That's where I'm going with On Her Majesty's Secret Service. But Okay. We'll find out next month when yeah. we come back with For New Eyes Only. Absolutely. Do you mind if I uh, plug a couple things before we get out of here? Plug away, my friend. Um, so uh, the AIPT Comics podcast recently had an interview with uh, Joe Troman from Fallout Boy and actor-comedian Brian Fossein and uh, superstar artist Scott Koblish about their uh, horror series, horror comedy series, uh, The Axe, which is running through Heavy Metal Magazine. That was a lot of fun. Um, we also have an interview coming up with uh, Jock. The the uh, Actually, by the time this drops, our interview with Jock will be out. Uh, nice. Jock uh, did the yeah. art for uh, um, Scott Snyder's Witches yes. comic. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I a couple of really series. great one-off issues of, of his Batman run as well. And Jock is currently writing and drawing uh, Batman 1 Dark Knight, uh, which nice. is a really fun miniseries. Uh, and uh, we have an interview coming up with Steve Fox, uh, the writer and editor who is writing um, the new X-Men 92 miniseries, as well as Valiant's uh, Archer and Armstrong Forever. And he's the co-editor of Razor Blades, the horror anthology with James Tyne in the fourth. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, go check out Oh, That's a Scary Movie as well, uh, the show I do with my best friend Ashley. You guys um, we, been hammering uh, out episodes lately. We man. sure have, man. Uh, as as we are recording this, uh, we will be watching Poltergeist tonight for an episode on that. And uh, it was really fun because VHS Files just did Leprechaun to kind mm-hmm. of compare notes and realize that, uh, yeah, this movie fucking blows. Yeah, that <laughs> like, movie's fucking kinda... terrible, man. <laughs> I, had a lot I, of, I had a lot of fun talking about it, but ultimately yes, it's, it's like more that's fun a, to talk about. That's a sure. movie I cannot recommend to anyone. No, <laughs> it's, it's and not luckily there's no there's no Bond movie as bad as Leprechaun. So uh, <laughs> so we've got a we got a we got a couple of good years ahead of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if I think we're going to try and make Leprechaun uh, every St. Patrick's Day kind of thing with the sequels. Okay. Bring so, me back. Um, in four years to do leprechaun in the hood <laughs> well that's the one i'm looking forward to the most for some reason yeah it's my I, fave it's terrible but i love it but yeah we had a lot of fun with that one and we've also talked about poltergeist on vhs yeah. files so that was a fun conversation i'm anxious for to sure. hear what you guys have to say about it but um as far as vhs files goes i mean we just finished up green month talked about green room uh, yeah and that was a fun conversation one of my favorites yeah and um yeah we've got a handful of things coming up that we're pretty excited about so make sure you tune in for some vhs files episodes tune into nathan's other two podcasts aipt yeah. comics and oh that's a scary movie when silver linings coming back silver linings uh silver linings playlist will probably come back uh closer to end of summer beginning of the fall we're thinking about possibly doing a sh- well i, I don't want to spoil anything but uh, we've got some some interesting ideas for the format of next season um 
And uh, we've been talking about maybe doing a one-off or two and before the season comes back, maybe a commentary track or something silly. Uh, So uh, yeah, keep an eye out on that. But in the meantime, you can go back. They have, uh, we have five seasons uh, backlog that you can listen to uh, four seasons before I joined and then (laughs) the latest season. Uh, uh, Yeah. Um, And in fact, they have a really fantastic episode on, on her majesty's secret service from their third second or third season that uh definitely check that one out too i'll check that one out after we record after you after we do our episode yes yes all right man all right it's been a blast yeah yeah i'm excited to come back next month for honor majesty's secret service but uh yeah until next time stay shaken never stirred (laughs) which they got fucking wrong this time (laughs) 